Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's look at the book of Nehemiah. If you've got it, make some noise. 12 people, awesome. Look at the screen. If you haven't got your Bible with you, if you have it on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is, Nehemiah chapter 1. And we're going to pick it up at verse 3. And this is Nehemiah speaking. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the Lord God. Of heaven, I want to just set up a little bit what these verses mean and what's going on here. Nehemiah is, we know him as the master builder in Scripture. He's the one that was so incredibly um, responsible for uh, the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah gets news. He is in, they are in Babylonian territory. Half of the Jews have been released to go home and rebuild their city. And we read about that in the book prior to Nehemiah and Ezra where they are reading, where we read the story of them rebuilding the city. And and Nehemiah is in this interesting role where he hears this story or he hears, gets an update, if you like, of how things are going back home. Nehemiah has been given the role as a cupbearer, which means he brings the drinks. He's the bartender for the king. He's mixing the margaritas. That's, that's what Nehemiah's role is. It's an interesting role. It's, it's not a typical role for a Jewish man, but nevertheless, God opened the door for him. God put him there. It didn't make sense that he would be there, but God put him there. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't necessarily do anything to try and get in that door. He was just chosen amongst others. That's when you know the favour of God is upon you, when things just seem to open up for you. This is where Nehemiah is and Nehemiah is in this position. He's been given this this place or this role with the king. And so he would bring bring the the drinks to the king and, and while he's in this position, his brothers come. They come back from Jerusalem and he asks them for an update. He says, how are, how things going? How's the boys? How's the family? How's everybody doing? Are things going good? How's the, how's the temple, the, the rebuilding of the temple? How's all that going? He probably had some, a level of expectation because understand for the Jewish people and, and not just back then, still today, the, 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 the temple was such an incredibly sacred place. The, the state of the temple meant something to them. So Nehemiah, he wants to know what's going on. He says, how are we doing? And they said, it's not good. They said, the walls are falling down. And this was significant because that to us perhaps doesn't mean, mean much to us. But back then in the city, the, the cities back then, ancient cities, walls meant something. The, the walls that surrounded the city, the, the, the greater the walls, the more powerful the city was. So the fact that the walls were broken down, it, it, it spoke something to Nehemiah. It meant something. This mattered. 
This meant that they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. It, it meant that this represented that the city was not in a position of strength. It was in a position of decay. It, 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 was, it meant something to him. This, this, wasn't just, this wasn't just a little renovation that needed to happen. This was, this was a big deal. Walls represented authority. Walls represented strength. Walls represented, walls helped help them win battles. They not only helped them win battles, but they helped them to oppose the enemy. When the enemy tried to attack the strength of these walls, it meant something to them. So Nehemiah is in this role, he's in this position and he hears of this and the Bible says that he freaks out. He, he says, as we just read, that he gets, goes to this place of weeping and because he, he recognises that things are not where they should be. He recognises that we're meant, to be, we're meant to be in a place of strength, but we're not. It, it strikes something in his heart and in his spirit. He says, we're meant, to be, we're meant to be in this place of authority. We're meant to be taking ground for the Kingdom of God. We're not meant to be losing. We're meant to be winning. We're, we're not meant to be the tail. We're meant to be the head. We're not meant to be scrambling, trying to win. We're meant to be walking in victory. We're meant to have something upon us that, is, that speaks of authority, that speaks of victory that speaks of strength. We're not meant to be in defeat. This is where Nehemiah is. He recognises that, that, that we need to build. He says, we need to build something better. We need to be better. You ever get to that place in your life where you look at some things in your life perhaps? Perhaps things that have gone a certain way that you didn't expect it was gonna, it was gonna go and then you're left sort of looking at your life, sometimes saying, you know what, I could be better. I could, this isn't me, this area of my life. See, understand, it wasn't, it wasn't that the whole temple was destroyed. It was, it was the walls. It wasn't the whole entire thing wasn't a mess. It was a part of it, that there was an area. I think sometimes we can find ourselves like that where there are sections, there are areas of our lives that, that could be better. But we have to understand that if we want them to be better, we actually have to build better. That the reason that perhaps things in our life are not where we would like them to be is we haven't strategically built them in a way that has helped us to overcome attacks that the enemy might try and bring. So what we need to do is we need to build things a little bit better in our life. This, this story, if you read through the book of Nehemiah, it's, it's so powerful. But what I wanna do is I wanna touch a little bit at the start and look at some ways in which Nehemiah is able to build better. And we're not even gonna get to, for sake of time, the process of building. But I wanna look at the process before the building, in a sense, happens. Nehemiah, as I said, is in this role. We don't hear of Nehemiah before this book. There's not... Um, there's not like, you don't hear of the early days of Nehemiah. You just hear of Nehemiah in this place and this role that he is operating in with the king. But the very nature of this role, it speaks to, and also the response that we just saw Nehemiah had when he heard of the state of the city and the state of Jerusalem. It speaks to the type of man that we are talking about. 
It speaks to, to not just the place that He holds and the role that He's in, but it speaks to the person that He is. That we don't read anything in the book of Nehemiah about His early days and about the process that led to the place that He was in this, in this role of authority, in this role of favour with the King. But I wanna tell you that the process prior to this place that He is, is actually very important. Because it's the process that builds up to this place that He has, this role that He has with the King that actually establishes the person that He is. See, we love position, don't we? we? Because position, position is something that people see, but process is something that develops in the dark. And we magnify position and we skip over process, but the process is important because the process is what helps shape me into the person that I need to be in able to handle the position that I desire. But if I'm so quick to rush through the process, I miss the developmental process and the developmental part of who I am that prepares me for what it is that I wanna do. And so often I think we are so quick to skip over this process. It says something to me that a Babylonian king saw something on a Jewish man and said, I want that guy closer to me. Think about this. This king, is not, he's not a godly man. He's, not a, he's a Babylonian king. He's a, we would call it in church, we would say he's a worldly man. He's a, let's use a church term. Let's say he's a sinner. But he sees something on Nehemiah. Because understand, this role was important. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be serving drinks, he's serving drinks, he's the bartender. He's, 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 I don't know what this is. This is like a shaking a cocktail. He, he's doing the margaritas. He's putting, he's putting limes in the Coronas for the King. Some of you want to laugh, but you don't. Some of you are like, what's a Corona? Shut up. He, he, listen, he, this is his role. He, this, this, it meant you were close to the King. It meant that you were going to perhaps hear some conversations that you weren't going to be able to tell everybody about. It meant that you were, maybe you were gonna see the king fight with his wife and you had to keep it quiet. Maybe you were gonna be in the room where you had to, you were gonna hear some conversations that you were not gonna be at liberty to tell everybody else. You had to be a safe person. You had to be somebody of integrity. You had to be somebody of character. And it's interesting to me that this king sees Nehemiah, the king, he sent out men looking, he said, I, I need a joker that I could trust. But what a testament to Nehemiah's character that this ungodly king saw something in Nehemiah and said, you know what, that's, that's the type of man that I need. I wonder, does the world look at us that way? I wonder, do people that are not in church look at us as Christians and say, that, I, need, I need to get some more Christians in my life. I don't know what those jokers are doing, but there's just something about them. I just gotta, I gotta get more Christians. Wouldn't that be a phenomenal witness? Wouldn't that be powerful to a community that if they would look at us and say, you know what, I just wanna get, I just wanna get some of those free chapel people around me a little bit. I don't know what it is, but, but I just wanna get them closer to me. 
Caressa and I, we are, um, we like to, to th- I like to think of myself as a healthy eater. How many know sometimes it goes well and sometimes not so well? We're on this um, vegan kick at the moment. Well, should I say my wife is on it? I'm doing like my version of vegan. It's like vegan with a twist of meat, you know? Like, like imagine, imagine a vegan meal and add a steak. That's where I'm at with it. And so we're, we're on this, we're, you know, we're doing this. But, but for the most part, we've always sort of eaten, eaten pretty good. But how many know whenever you go on a health kick, it's really hard to decide what type of diet and meal plan you're going to do. Because especially now with all of the information we have and all the research we now have available to you, there, there is a plethora of different options available to you, isn't there? You have one diet. One diet will tell you that you need to carb load so you can fuel your workout. You ever heard that before? Load up on carbs so you can fuel, fuel, feed the workout that you're going to do. So, so we carb load. But then you meet some other joker and he says, no, 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 you need to do less carbs, more protein. Do you ever hear that? Then, then, then I bumped into someone the other week and they told me they're doing the keto diet. Have you heard this, bro? I said, what are you eating for morning for breakfast? He said, bacon. I said, bacon? Yeah, because he said, you've got, you got to have more fat. In Fat? Isn't that what I'm trying to get rid of? No, no, no. You gotta, your, your body will draw its energy source from the fat. It's so confusing. We walked in, so we walked into this restaurant and me and Cressa and we're sitting there and, and I walked in like, you know, with a vision to eat good because with our vision, we perished, don't we? So I thought, you know what? I'm going straight to the salad section. So we sit down and I open the menu and I look at the, going through all, all the salads. I'm going to choose something good right now. But then it starts going over in my mind and, and I'm looking at calories and I think, well, should I have more calories or less calories? And should I just do fruit? But then someone told me you can't have too much fruit because it's too much natural sugar. And if you don't burn the sugar, the sugar turns to fat. So I'm like, I need to stay away from fruit. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. And in the end, you just want to screw it all up and just go have four cheeseburgers and be done with it. You know, it just feel like... <laughs> and, and, well, maybe not four. Like that was pretty... That was a big jump, wasn't it? Like, why didn't I just say two? I don't know. Four. Some of you are like, wow, that's a lot. Listen, and so, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, babe, I, I don't know. I don't know. And the waiter comes over and, and he's standing there a while and I said, just hang on. I said, don't leave, just stay there. We, 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 we're going to get through this, you and me. I'm going to find something that's good. And, and as I'm standing there and sitting there, I'm looking at the menu and I look, at, and I look over and this dude walks in the restaurant and he's a big boy, not fat big, like stacked, you know? He's like this, you know those jokers? <laughs> this, this all. He's like this. And his hands are just, it's like little leaves blowing in the breeze, you know? Just like. And they got this strut. And this is his wife, bro. You should have seen him. They're, the two of them. Thank you. He walking like this. I sat back and I'm like, look at this dude. He went over and he sat down and I looked at him and then I looked at the menu and I looked at the waiter and I looked at me and I looked back at him 
and I looked at me and I looked at the menu and I looked at the waiter then I looked back at him and I said, you know what? Give me whatever he's getting. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, let's do that. Go serve his table first and then swing past here and tell me what he got. Because I want to get whatever he's getting because if it works for him, maybe it'll work for me and maybe you know that's how we need to be as Christians. Maybe with the world, with all of the confusion and they don't know what's going on and they they're they trying to work out what's true and what do people believe. Maybe they need to look over at Christian and say, you know what, whatever they're doing, I need to be doing that because it seems to be working for them. They've got a joy on them. They've got a peace on them. There's something upon their life that I just want to get some of that. That's what, that's what the King saw. He saw Nehemiah and said, I need this dude. Oh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta get this dude around him. But the only reason Nehemiah carried that is Nehemiah first, he embraced the process. He, he embraced, he did not, I was gonna, the point that I was gonna say was gonna be endure the process. But if you make a decision to just endure it, you'll miss it. People that say, well, I'm just enduring this. You're gonna miss it if you have that attitude. You gotta wake up and say, I'm gonna embrace this season of my life. It's not perfect. It's not the way I want it to be. It's not the ideal job. It's not the ideal situation, but I'm gonna embrace it. I'm gonna embrace it in faith, declaring that God works all things for the good and God's doing a work in my life and there's something greater ahead of me. I'm not gonna grow weary in well-doing. I'm gonna embrace this process. We don't read about the process for Nehemiah. We just pick it up. Nehemiah has already been set in place in this role with the King. Because if you embrace the process, if you embrace the process, it will then lead you to the position that God has for you. And your position is very important. In Nehemiah chapter one and verse 11, this is, this is, this is Nehemiah, he, he hears all this, he, he gets this update and he freaks out. But because he's a man of character, because he embraced the process, he wasn't just hungry for a position. He wasn't fighting to get this position with the king. He didn't find the position, the position came and found him. And because he had embraced the process, he recognised what he was there for. And then when he hears the news, he prays this prayer to God. And he says, it's, a, it's an amazing prayer, but God, I need your help. And in verse 11, it gets to the end of the, end of the prayer. And he says, for let your servant prosper this day. He's saying, God, be with me. God, help me. God, I, I gotta do something right now. And then he says this, for I was, Nehemiah speaking, he says, for I was the king's cupbearer. See, because he's embraced the process, now what he's had to do is he's had to recognise his position. It's almost like he gets to this prayer and what he's praying for and he gets to the end and it's like the light comes on and he's like, because I am, I'm the King's cupbearer, which means I recognise my position right now, that my position I'm, I'm actually, I've got a position that's been orchestrated by God for this moment right now. 
that, that if I don't step up in this position that I have, that, 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 that I'll miss what it is that God is calling me to, that the change that I want in my people and the rebuilding that I wanna do in the city is gonna happen right now if I recognise my position. Too many of you devalue your position. You devalue where you are because you're so busy craving where you want to be. But if you would recognise and stop coveting somebody else's position and value the position that God has given you, God didn't choose anybody else to raise those kids, Mum. God chose you. God gave them to you. God didn't choose anybody else to be in that job where you are right now, to be in that situation tomorrow morning. God chose you. Don't devalue where you are. You've got to recognise where you are and that the Lord says through His Scripture that He orders our steps. So if He ordered my steps and I am here right now, then there must be something that God has for me. I have to recognise my position. Where are you right now? And what has God called you to do now? We can delay it. We can delay what it is that God has called us to do by devaluing where we are right now. But if I value where I am right now and I say, you know what? I'm the cupbearer, which means I've got to do something with this position that I have. You know what? I've got an opportunity right now. You may look down upon what you're doing and say, Ben, you don't get it. I'm just a stay-at-home dad. Ben, you don't get it. I'm just a barista at Starbucks. No, no, no. That's a position that you have that's been given to you by God. Maybe God wants to do something greater through your position than you've got the faith for. But if you would believe for it, God would do something with it and you would be able to maximise where you are. He says, he says oh, I'm the cupbearer. The same thing happens with the story of Esther. In Esther chapter 4 and verse 13, Mordecai says to Esther, you know the story, Esther had been positioned by God. But because of where she was and because of the pressure surrounding the situation, she, she started to devalue where she was. Because of fear, you've got to understand that Nehemiah was in the same, was in the same boat. Because of fear, I mean, these kings, these, these dudes were not messing around. This wasn't like just, you know, buddy-buddy relationship. You had to be so careful. Every word that you would say to the king, you had to be careful. These dudes would just take you out. And so Esther, Esther's starting to devalue her position and think, well, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not meant to do anything. Maybe it's just, you know. Maybe this is an accident. Maybe this shouldn't have happened this way. Maybe, maybe it didn't, things didn't go right. Or maybe, maybe I made a mistake and that's why I'm here right now. And well, Maybe you did make a mistake, but maybe you could believe that God works all things, which means your mistakes as well for the good. And maybe it'll be the mistakes that God will use to position you exactly where He wants you to be. And so Esther starts to devalue it, but Mordecai shows up. And Mordecai says to her, hey, if you don't step up, Somebody else will arise. If, if you don't, because God's, the, th the third thing is your purpose. See, you've got to embrace the process. 
You have to recognise your position and then you can fulfil your purpose. But if you devalue your position, you can actually miss your purpose. And you could just look where you are and devalue it and see it as nothing and see it as a mistake and see it as a waste of time and you'll miss the purpose that God has for you in that season you are in. And this is what Mordecai says to Esther. He says, listen, if you don't step up, God's purpose is too great for His people. God will bypass you if you don't step up in your position and God will choose somebody else. Don't devalue your position. You have to recognise where you are and then what Nehemiah does is Nehemiah steps up. He recognises, I'm the cupbearer. If we're gonna build this thing, I've got to step up into my position and I have to fulfil my purpose. I've got to do it. Nobody else is gonna do it. Nobody in this world is responsible for your purpose except you. We are in this victim, blame. We're so quick to blame everybody else for where we are. No, it's nobody else's fault. I'm not saying that people have always treated you good. I'm not saying that things have always been fair. But I'm saying you either trust God or you don't. You think God's up in heaven saying, listen, I had great things for you. But if that idiot didn't say that stuff about you, I mean, my hands are tied. I know I'm God and I created the world in seven days, but I mean, that guy was really mean. You, you trust God? You trust God can use idiots in our life? Maybe God will. Maybe God will use an idiot to grow your character so that you're not gonna be an idiot later on. How many times did I say idiot today? We're so quick to we're so quick to blame everybody else. Quick to call ourselves a victim. Quick to say, well, they did this and they did that, and I'm getting hard done by, by my boss, and this person cheated on me, and this happened and that happened. Now I'm not I'm not downplaying legitimate hurt and pain that people have gone through. But I am saying don't think that what you went through is gonna stop what God has called you to. God. Maybe, maybe your purpose is actually bigger than you realise. And maybe the pain that you're walking through is not about the pain you're going through, but it's about the authority that God wants you to carry into the purpose. Maybe there's something bigger on your life than you realised. Maybe that's why you're facing the attacks that you're facing. Maybe because the enemy doesn't look at you the way he looks at everybody else. Maybe the enemy can see the potential and the purpose upon your life better than you can. He's an idiot, but he's not dumb. He's watched mankind for a long time. Maybe he can see greatness coming from a long way off. Maybe the enemy has seen some people raise up through some difficult times and maybe he can spot a winner a long way off and maybe he can see you coming in the distance and he's trying to stop what God has called you to and trying to hold back the purpose that's upon your life. We can, we can get weary, can't, can't we? We can get weary in well-doing, our keys can come. Gee, that was quick. Hey, we're in sync, aren't we, you and me? Keys can come, bang, he was there. 
We can get weary. I think that the timing, we, we get messed up in timing, don't we? That's where I think one of the big things, because we know what we want and we know what we're believing for, but we don't want it tomorrow. We want it now. Have you ever gone through drive through and ordered your food? And they tell you to go up and pull over in that little side lane. You're a Christian five minutes earlier. What is it? You wanted those four cheeseburgers, didn't you? But you don't want them in three minutes time. We want it now. How willing, how, how patient are we willing to be in order to fulfil the purpose that's upon our life? Remember Caleb? Remember Caleb and Joshua goes with the spies? I love Caleb. He goes with the spies. The Bible says he goes in, in Numbers, and, and I'll fast track it, but in Numbers they go out. Remember he goes out with the spies, comes back, and all of those spies, I mean, they're, they're just freaking out because they allowed the problem to, to blur the purpose. And, and they come back with a bad report. All they can see is problem. But Caleb and Joshua, they saw purpose. Caleb, Caleb comes back. Caleb says, we can take this land. He, I, I, lo- I would have loved to have been there to just see him step up and say, come on. He, he tries to rally them. He says, we can do this. He's, he got a glimpse. Yes, the problems were there. But when you have faith, faith will help you focus. You ever looked at, you know, through binoculars and you've got to twist the focus? Faith, that's what faith does. Faith helps you to focus past the problem and it'll see, faith will see the purpose right through the middle of the problem. And that's what Caleb, Caleb comes back and he's like, hey, he's pumped. He's like, we can do this. The other guy's like, bro, what are you looking at? Those dudes are huge. Caleb's like, yeah, but so were the grapes, bro. See, see what, he, he saw purpose, but then did, did Caleb see it right then? No. Caleb didn't, if you count, it's, it's 21, 23 chapters through the book of Numbers from that moment. 23 chapters. Caleb's holding on to purpose. 23 chapters. 34 chapters then through Deuteronomy. Caleb's holding on to purpose. 14 chapters into Joshua. Caleb's holding on to purpose. While, watch this, while he's surrounded, walking around the desert with a bunch of people that are whinging, that are complaining, that are trying to strip the purpose from Him, but because it wasn't something that that He just talked about, it was something that He caught in His Spirit. And then, then, then you pick it up, Joshua chapter 14, Caleb, listen, this dude is 85. I mean, come on bro, 85? And, and, and he steps up. I dare say there were other dudes standing around there that were half his age that said nothing. But Caleb's 85 and he fronts up to Joshua when they get into the promised land. And he says, hey, remember that mountain? Joshua's like, the one from 40 years ago? 
You believe in that thing that bad? You're hanging on to that thing. You're 85. You're ready to go and take that job because he got purpose. 85. Come on, he didn't need an app to show him what he was going to look like at 80. He could look in the mirror. This dude was old, bro. But he's holding on to his purpose. And he says, I'm not growing weary in well-doing. We're still gonna do this thing because 40 years ago, I caught something in my spirit that no devil in hell can take from me. And I'm believing that my God is good enough and I'm gonna see it come to pass in my life. How long are you gonna hold on to what you are believing for? We're ready to give up on it when we have a bad day. Come on, bro, get in the Word of God. Keep speaking over your life. Keep declaring it. The enemy does not want you to walk in your purpose. But he he got it. He, He had it so deep buried in his heart, in his spirit. That's, that's, where we're, that's, that's why we've got to get that burden. You've got to get, it cannot be this, this, this little dream, this little floaty little, little dream that sometimes comes and goes and, and every now and then you think, well, that would be nice. No, 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 the enemy will snatch out in a second. You've got to get it in your spirit. You've got to get a burden. That's why if you keep reading the story, Nehemiah, he gets to where the walls are. And this is, this, this, I love this part of it. So he gets released, and I'm gonna close. He, he gets released and he goes, he goes to the goes to Jerusalem. The Bible says that Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem in, in chapter, chapter 12. It goes on, you can look at it later, but he gets to Jerusalem, chapter 12. And it says that by night, he went at night time. And he said, No one came with me. And I went out to the walls. And, and I'm sorry, Nehemiah goes out to the walls of the city and it says, he went up at night and looked at the broken down walls when nobody was there. Why did he do that? I think it was because he wanted to just remind himself of why he was doing what he was doing. But I love that he went at night time because it wasn't about anybody else. It was about for him, I think, rebirthing the burden. This is why we do what we do, that it's all about the Kingdom of God. It was like almost I see Nehemiah getting there, just reminding himself, yes, I'm here. Yes, I now went through the process. Yes, now I have a position. Yes, I have a purpose. But in the dark right now when no one's around, I just need to go back and remind myself with everything that I have right now, why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing. It's all about the Kingdom of God and me building the Kingdom of God. It's not about anything else. I got to get back to this place. He spoke to me uh, two weeks ago. I got this, this message and I'm gonna close. It was this, you know, it was a 5 p.m. If you haven't been the last couple of weeks, our 5 p.m. service has just had just a special sort of touch on it. And uh, I got this, this, this message. I, you know, I'd shared a, just, just, just a word over someone and, and they messaged me on Instagram. I got back and, and they'd sent me this, this direct message and, and, and you know, he, he'd come to the church and it was his first time there. And, and he was talking about the church and I was so encouraged by it, you know, but this t- stage I was at home and church had finished. 
And, and, and he finishes a text and he says how great the service was. And he said, I'd never been around stuff like this before. And, and, and it was cool. And then he finishes and the last thing he says was, he said, I will remember that service forever. He said, I'll remember that service forever. And, and I'll never forget because that, that last little thing that he said, it, it hit me in my heart because by this time, I'm, you know, I'm at home on the couch. And, and something that, that for me, it challenged me because something that we, especially if, 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 you know, if you're involved in church and ministry and leading, and we can get so in the routine of just doing what we're doing. Man, we need a message and, and some points and we all scream and it's cool and we get excited and we go and we come back next week and we do it again and we do it again and we do it again. And, but every now and then we just need that reminder because I thought this guy saying, I will remember that service forever. And I thought that service that we just, that I was... And I've got to be honest, I was pretty quick to leave that off. Because it had been a big day. And then listen, it's cool. It's, we, Sunday's are big days, you know. And it's cool, but I was quick, man. I was, you know, I mean, we got, and, I, and people get it. And we got the kids at home and you've got to get home, put the kids down. I've done all that. And man, I sit on the couch and you're sitting there and you all of a sudden switched off. And this guy, while I'm doing that, is getting on his phone saying that service, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. And for me in that moment, it was, it was special because it was the Holy Spirit saying, just go back and look at the walls. Go back and look at the people. Don't get so caught up in everything that, that, that we're doing and, and everything that's going on that you forget about the one. That's what Heart for Orange County starting next week is all about. And we're gonna serve the community and we're gonna reach out to people. You know what it is? It's just going back to the walls. It's going back to, to going outside to people that are not in here on Sundays and looking some people in the eye and saying, hey, can we serve you as a church? We can get so quick, can't we, that we forget. Why, why, what are we doing if we're not loving if we're not reaching out, if we're not building the kingdom, let's build better as people. Come on, can we agree to that as a church? Come on, starting this week, let's make that decision to say, you know what, I'm gonna build better. I'm gonna embrace that process. I'm gonna recognise my position. I'm gonna fulfil my potential, my purpose, and I'm gonna do what God has called me to do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.